helpful. Okay, so tonight I'm going to be talking to you about what do you say? What do you say? Everybody has something that they're going around saying. And now when I, when I talk to you about this, this is a subject we talk about a lot. You know, we're known as the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it group. And, oh, you know, and, and there's a tendency, the minute you hear me say that, you're going to be in three, one of three camps. Oh, yeah, I know that. I've heard that. I've heard that before. I know. Or, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Right? Or, well, I just don't think I have enough faith. We're going to talk about all that tonight. Because that's usually the three camps you find. Or you'll be in the camp where you know, hey, I have done this. I'm determined. I guess there's four camps, really. I have done this. I'm determined. I've seen it work, and I don't give up. Amen? Amen? And that is the camp that we all want to be in. Correct? So let's, real quick, let's look at Proverbs. We know this, Proverbs 18.21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, you know, when I first read that, I'm like, yeah, I get the death and life are in the power of the tongue, but that whole part about those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, he's just saying, hey, you, 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 you do a lot of talking. You're going you're gonna to eat the fruit of whatever it is you're saying. Amen? You're going to reap whatever it is you're saying. Okay? Now, like I said, this is a subject that we're all familiar with. We go to this church, and pastors talked about it a lot. Uh, If I asked everybody in here, as a matter of fact, let me see your hands. How many of you in here right now have some persistent problem or something in your life, be be it large or be it minor, this thing, this problem, this situation that you find yourself dealing with? Let me see your hand. Hmm? Now, the next part, I won't ask you to raise your hand because I won't embarrass you. But out of everybody in here, practically everybody in here has something in their life, including myself, that I'm dealing with and I need answers to and I need a breakthrough and I need, I, I, I need help with, right? Everybody. But if I went around and asked everybody who just raised their hand to stand up, to raise their hand and tell me, yes, I have a verse, a life verse, a verse that I've been applying to that, and I apply it diligently every day, day and night. Amen. And if you were honest, and, and, and I, I imagine that I would have very few hands. See, here's the problem. When we think we know something, we hear it, and we, we've got this mental idea, and we go, I know that. But can I tell you something, something that you don't do, you don't know. You say, well, how can you say that, Teresa? How can you say that, Pastor T? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) Let me give you an example. Now, you all know that I had some bartender days. Pastor let everybody know that. But what he didn't let you know (laughs) is that was a lot of years ago. And between those bartender days and pastor days, there was hairdresser days. Okay, and I was, I, I still am a licensed cosmetologist. Now, I went to school, obviously, you have to go to school to get licensed to do hair, right? And so I went to school, and, and honestly, I was a straight A student. 
I was very determined. I was going to, because I had heard so many stories about when you go to take the state license, you know, people are in there for hours and they fail several times. Well, I was determined I had spent a lot of money on this and I, it, that was not going to happen to me. And so whenever a test was coming, man, I was in there. I was marking and reading and studying and memorizing all the diseases and the hair follicles and the cuticles and the blah, blah, blah and the chemicals. I mean, I, and I, and I was a straight A student. There's something in, in, in training, in, in, if you've gone to any kind of technical school, there's theory, and that's where you sit with your book and you learn all the rules and regulations and the techniques and, and everything that there is to know about whatever it is that you're, you're trying to learn to do, right? But then there comes this time where you have what is called practicum. And this is when it's time for you to practice what it is that you've been hearing. Now remember, I was a straight-A student, straight-A student. I had been practicing on my dummy head. But see, there's, a, there's this thing about the dummy head. The dummy head has perfect hair, perfectly straight. The dummy hair lays flat. It doesn't have any calyx. The dummy hair doesn't have any opinion about what I'm doing. And the dummy hair doesn't move around while I'm trying to do it, okay? And so I could do a pretty good cut also on my dummy head. I learned all that. You know, I was, I, I was pretty good. And so one day it's time for us to start taking in clients. And this little old lady comes in, and she's in a wheelchair. And her, you know, quite honestly, I guess she had been in a nursing home. And, and anyway, her son brought her in there to get her hair done. Well, she'd been in a nursing home, and she's a little old lady. And she's, okay, she's. You know, she's got a little thing going on there, all right? Now, I'm trying to cut her hair, and it ain't like the dummy hair at all, <laughs> okay? Her, her hair, she ain't holding her head still. She's barely cognizant, and, and she's, and, and, and she, you know, this is no, nothing against her. This was part was very sad, but she just reeked, you know, she, urine and whatever, okay? And so she really... And so I'm trying, and I'm like, and I'm trying to hold my breath, and I'm trying to cut her hair. And I'm cutting, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, man, oh, man. I get over to the other side, I'm like, it's uneven. Oh, go, okay, cut this side a little bit shorter. I get to the top, I'm like, now the top doesn't match. I'm cutting the top. I get to the other side. I'm like, oh, I, I made that side shorter now. I'm over here. I am, I jacked that woman's hair up so bad. <laughs> That poor lady, uh, honestly, I owed her money by the time she left there. <laughs> it was sad. It was a sad, sad state of affairs. But now listen to me. Had you asked me anything in that book, I probably could have told you right off the top of my head. Do you know we got a lot of Christians that do that? And when I talk to you about speaking the word of God over things, you've heard it. You could probably tell me where the verses are. You could give me the theory of it. But here's what happens. We hear it. We think we know it. We've got the theory of it. We don't need to go practice it. We'll use it when a disaster strikes. Bad idea. Can I just tell you, bad idea. How do I know that? Oh, let me tell you. Listen, when I first came to this church, I was coming out of the Baptist church, and I've shared this before with you guys. 
You know, we were going through quite, it was back in 2008, 2006, 2008, all the construction and housing. Y'all all know what happened there. My husband couldn't get, he couldn't beg, borrow, or steal a job practically. And he was well known. He's well known in Orlando is in the flooring industry. And he couldn't get a job anywhere. And we basically blew through all of our savings. And I was in a desperate situation when we came here. Now, I was coming out of the Baptist church, and I did not know, I didn't know the word of faith. I might when you're in something like that and you don't know your 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 emotions are in turmoil. My life was in turmoil. I was losing my house. I'd already lost a vehicle. I mean, we had used up every bit of savings trying to survive for the 2 years that he had no job. We used everything in those 2 years. It don't take long when you're paying all your bills off of whatever say it don't take you long what you think is in the bank that will really save you if you've got your if you've got your uh, confidence in that let me tell you something that can be gone like that and so here i was and i'm in here and i'm having to learn this in the midst of my crisis i did it i came through but can i tell you something i could have come through so much better had i known it had I been using it all along, had I been in practice, had I been, had I been really comfortable in knowing, and, and, and had I gone with little things and used it with little things before I got to the big things. But we don't do that. We, we, we hear a message and we go, oh, that's a nice message. I like it. That was cool. You remember, she said that. And then you go home and we're real good at just getting used to something and tolerating it. You go home and you go, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I do have this irritating rash, but it's not life-altering or anything. I'll just go to the drugstore and see if I can find a cream that'll take care of that. It never even occurs to you to open up your mouth and talk to it. And you say, well, that's not a big deal, Teresa. I mean, yeah, it's uncomfortable and I don't like anybody to see it, but, you know, it's no big deal. That's where you practice. Why would you tolerate it? Jesus died for it. Now, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I, I have done this. There have been things in my life that I just, you just adjust and adapt and, and get used to. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Every Christian, every person anywhere ends up going through something in this life. I don't know anybody that's lived for more than five minutes who hasn't faced something. Amen. <laughs> okay, I mean, if you've been alive for a few minutes, you know that there are hard things that come in your life. Amen. And sometimes they are really hard. We're not talking about something that's easy to tolerate. We're talking about something that could alter your whole life and wreak havoc. Hmm. So... Let me ask you a question. If God gave us, well, let's look at this first. Let me look at this verse, and then, we'll, then I'll ask you that question. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things. How many? All, all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Did I give you four? Yeah. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, so listen, listen. If God has already given us 
everything that pertains to life and godliness, life and godliness, uh, why are we living so far below that? You know, amen. Why, why are we living so far below that? I love this verse, the fact that it says life and godliness. He did, it would have been amazing if he just said godliness. That would have been great. But he said life and godliness. That's very hopeful. Amen. Because, see, we could spiritualize that and be like, well, it just means things to help me walk out my Christian life. Oh, it means that. But it means so much more. He said your life. Life and godliness. Our heavenly Father, Father God, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. What does that mean to you? It means that there is nothing that he has not seen. There is no place that he has not been. There's not one of your days that he has not written already in his book. Everything that you have ever needed and ever will needed, he has already been to that place before you got there, and he has provided for it. Amen. 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 So, well, if that's true, where is it? <laughs> right? Have you ever asked that question? Because I have. I've heard these verses before when I, when I was, you know, learning. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds great. I love that. Sounds really good. Where is it? Where is it? It's a good question. <laughs> Let's look at Ephesians 4 and 3. Oh, I must have gave you the wrong thing. Try three, four. <laughs> nope, that ain't the one. It says that he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. So all the spiritual blessings that he has already given to us, he has given it to us in the heavenly places. You say, well, great. I thought you just said it was for our life. It is. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. There it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. Now, y'all know I love to give you scripture, and there's a reason I love to do that. It's because I want you to know it's not my... It's not something I just made up. And this is church. And if we are offended by having to look at a lot of scripture. Okay, enough said. All right. So, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among, among you by us, by me, Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, so not only has he already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and he said yes to all of it already through Christ Jesus. So he's given us everything. He said yes. His answer, if it's in his word, is yes. And amen. amen. Amen means so be it unto you. So be it unto me. Right? Amen. Yes and amen. If I said it, yes and amen, it's yours. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay. 
But here's the deal. It's in seed form. It's in seed form. What do I mean by that? Let's look at Mark. Now, we're, this, you know, we're, we're, from, we're familiar. We're real familiar with Mark, but let's just look at this for a moment. Let's go with Mark 4, uh, 26 through 28. It says, and he said, that was Mark 4, 26 through 28. I heard whoever that was asking. <laughs> and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. Okay, so we see here that he's likening the kingdom of God to seed. So he said, I gave you everything, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it's all in seed form. You've got to go out and plant it. You got to go out and plant it. Well, what is the seed? I mean, how do I get it to show up here? How do I get it to show up here? The word of God, if we go back, y'all know the parable of the sower. It says it, it's like as if a man was sowed ground, sowed seed, and some of it fell on good ground, some of it fell on hard ground, some of it fell. Stuff. He's talking about the word. How do we know that? Because he said when he sowed it on some of the ground, immediately, immediately the birds came to steal. The enemy came to steal what? The word. The word. So it is the word that we have to plant in order to receive the harvest of everything that he has given us. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, so let's look real quickly here at 2 Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, how do I plant these seeds? This is the question. How do I plant the seeds? And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I what? Spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Speak. They believed and spoke. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Everybody does this. Did you know that? Everybody believes something and they speak it. As a matter of fact, every human does it quite naturally. Whatever it is that you believe, you speak. You go around sowing all the time. The difference is whether you're sowing what God said about it or whether you're sowing what somebody else said about it. Everybody walks around with beliefs. Everybody does. You do it without even thinking about it. Here's the problem. They believe that the facts are the truth. In other words, they believe the symptoms in their body and therefore they speak they believe the newscaster that tells them gloom and doom or lies and therefore they speak they believe the financial report that says you're going under you're done and therefore they speak they believe the who world health organization and therefore they speak and they behave Right? And the problem is, is it's because they believe facts. Now listen, facts, facts are, are real things. We've been accused of, well, you know, you're living like a fantasy land. You're like trying to pretend that the sickness isn't not there or that the, you know, the financial problems. Don't. No, 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 no. Those are facts. But listen to me. Facts change all the time. Facts are changed by truth. A fact can be a thing that is in your face, but truth can oppose it and change it. 
Facts change all the time. Let me give you an example. You have $500 in your checking account this morning. That's a fact. You go to the grocery store and the gas station, and now you have five. <laughs> and 10 items. Okay, just, just say it. That's also a fact. But the fact of $500 changed really quick down to about $5, didn't it? They were both true. That was true. You had $500 this morning. But the truth is, is you went and spent it at the grocery store and the gas pump, and now you have five. Okay? So listen, facts are always changing. It could be a fact that I get up today and the sun is shining, and by noon it's pouring rain. That fact changed in the middle of the day. Why is it that when we have facts in our life, we, are, we believe that that's it, that's it, it's not going to change, that's it, that's it, that's what I've got, that's all. We are so quick to believe everybody and every voice and all our friends and, and all our peers and what's on the news and what's in the bank account and, and what so-and-so said and how I feel and what my body says, and we are real slow to believe what God said. Amen. We hate to have to fight against the facts. I don't, it's really sad. But here's the problem. We all live in a body. And our flesh is just lazy. It is. Our flesh is lazy. And all of us have to deal with this. Who, all of us would rather, you know, I, I'm in the camp with you. I understand it. I do. I have to fight against my flesh. I would far rather when everything's bad, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go put on my jammies and sit in front of the TV or something and escape for a little while, watch some fantasy, watch something makes me feel good for a little bit and forget my problems, forget about my facts, you know? And that's what, and we default to it over and over again. The problem with that is you're going to keep sitting in the situation that you're in. And what a shame that Jesus died such a horrid death. For you to live victorious, but you simply aren't willing to go and put your face in a Bible and find a verse and open your mouth. Mm. Guilty myself, so just know when I point to you, I'm... (laughs) I point to me too, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be, let me tell you. And I'll tell you why I'm a whole lot better than I'm used to. Because my life has presented me with some pretty hard things. If you live for a little while, your life will present you with some hard things too. My advice to you is don't wait to get good at it. That is my sincere advice. Don't wait until you're in the middle of the trial. Don't wait until somebody you love's life's hanging in the balance. Don't wait until you're losing everything that you worked for all your life to find out how to do it. Start now. All of you have something, even if, even if it's something small. Learn now. Learn now how to wield the sword. Learn now. That's my advice. Amen? Okay. John 8, 32. It's not any words that you say that's going to set you free. Because everybody's speaking words, like I said. And all their words are not setting them free. Some of them are getting stuck in their words. It says, and you shall know the truth, and what? The truth shall make you free. Now let's go over to John 17, just a couple chapters over, and let's look at 17 through 26. It says, sanctify them, which means to set them apart, okay? Sanctify them by your truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. Amen? 
And so they're, they're, people are speaking what they believe all the time, but it's only truth that's setting you free. Amen. It's only truth that is setting you free. And let me just say this. It's only God's Word that's setting you free. Amen? Okay. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. <clears throat> but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. Listen, by your words you'll be condemned, but by your words you'll also live a good or a bad life here before you ever get to the place of giving an account for it. <laughs> and we will give an account for it. We, we use our words loosely. Why is this true? Well, let's think about it. Our Father God, Creator, Creator of all the universe, how did He create everything? He, he created it by words. He created it by words, right? Words are powerful. And we're made in the image of Him. And He wants us to use our powerful words wisely. Amen? He wants us to use our powerful words wisely, wisely. And listen, who doesn't want to live a better life? I do, right? Amen. All right, let's look at, I already turned my page. I did. Thank you, Lord. Now, do you know that any fact or circumstance that shows up in your life that is contrary to God, that you have authority over it? Mm -hmm. We do. We have authority. Yes, we do. Let's look at Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, that means on demons and devils, and over all the power of the enemy. And how many things shall hurt you? Nothing, Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? So, so do you believe that, um, do you believe, now I just said that God, our creator, he, he created everything by words. He spoke it all into existence, right? Everything is made up of sound waves. They even know that scientifically. They know that. And they've even, uh, here in the last few years, have discovered that they can extract sound from rocks. Even rocks can emit sound. Stars emit sound. Yeah. Everything emits sound. And because it's all made up of sound waves, everything responds to sound. Everything has ears. And you have authority over it with your words. We have an example of this. Listen, how do I know, uh, you know... Um, well, let me, let me just, let me see. Let me go to Luke uh, 20, 19, 10, 20. Go to 20. It says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, we know, we know that we are rejoicing because our names are written in heaven. But right there, he tells you the spirits are subject to you. Okay, so anything that is not lining up with what God said over me, I have authority over it. Well, how do I know? How do I know if it's lining up with what, you know, how do I know if it's God's will or not? How do I know? 
Well, it's real simple. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's from the enemy. If it's giving you life and life more abundantly, stay in it. Amen. It's really, it's real simple. It's real simple. Bad devil, good God, as pastor says. Amen. Don't get it confused though. We live in a society where people are so confused about this sometimes. They're going through this horrible thing and they say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I think God gave me this disease so that I could learn how to, or I know that maybe he's letting me go through this because I have learned how to be compassionate. And so now listen to me, listen and listen carefully. Will God take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good? Yes. Well, yes, he will. Yes, he will. But remember, he said what the enemy meant for evil. Yes. Yes. He does not use evil to try and teach you good. Where do they get some of that idea? Well, they get some of that idea from the Old Testament and a time before grace, a time before Jesus had come and sacrificed and paid the, the penalty for us and bore all the sin. And, and so they, they try to go back and, and from a misunderstanding, quite honestly, of how the language works and some, you know, when things are translated, it's not always, it's all, not always exactly translatable into the English language. And so, you know, I don't think that, you know, uh, the translators were trying necessarily to deceive us, but, hey, they were doing, everybody has their biases, and everybody, they, they translated according to what they thought, and so on and so forth. And so some things do get lost in translation. Yeah. They do. Okay? And so, but, but, but the truth is, is that God is never, ever putting evil on you. He said, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness and no shadow of turning. Amen. Right? And so, he can't say that it, everything that he gives you is good if he gives you cancer. Right. Does cancer make your life better? No, no it doesn't. I'm, I can promise you that. It doesn't. So then where did that come from? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's real easy to determine what things you have authority over, what things you should be casting out of your life. If it's not helping you, open your mouth and speak to it. You have authority. You have authority. You open your mouth and tell it to go in Jesus' name. Okay. Now, let's look at uh, Mark... 11, 13 through 24. This is a, we're, we're familiar with this, but I just want to give you an example that everything has ears, okay? And we're not crazy when we're talking to everything. It's Mark 11, 13 through 24. Oh, she's going to make me work. All right. Nope, you already did it? Oh, look at you. Okay. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, this is Jesus we're talking about, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Let me skip ahead to, 
skip ahead to uh, verse 24. Or No, back up one. Back up where you were. That was good. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Next one. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Amen. All right. Now, we're familiar with that. We, we hear that a lot. There's two things I want you to see right there. First of all, Jesus talked to a fig tree. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the fig tree could hear him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let me ask you something. Can the tumor that's growing in you hear you? Absolutely. Yeah, it can. Can your bank account, the money that's made out of the trees, can it hear you? Yes, yes it can. Yes, it can. The problem we have <laughs> is sometimes we speak to it, and we got to wait until tomorrow because we can't see a thing happening right away. We can't see nothing happening. Well, listen, now I realize it was the next day, but do you know when Jesus spoke to that fig tree, it looked exactly the same as before he spoke to it? They went away without seeing a thing that night. It tells you. Because the next morning they came, I'm sure when he cursed the fig tree, they thought, wow, Jesus is kind of angry today. Poor fig tree. I don't know. He cursed the fig tree. And they probably didn't think much more of it. They were just like, he cursed the fig tree. You know. Then the next day they come and they see the fig tree dead and they're astonished. They're like, whoa, whoa, man, he cursed the fig tree. It's dead. Like, dead. Do you know that plants don't usually die that quickly? They really don't. If you've ever had a tree, we had this big pine tree in our backyard when I was growing up, and it was, it was like so tall. And one night we were having quite the storm. I don't know. We had some kind of tropical system out there, and that thing was hit by lightning. It made the most, it scared the tar out of me because it, <laughs> it was out by my bedroom, you know, out that window, and that thing was like, kaboom. It dug a trench in the ground where it ran the root. It literally blew the dirt out of the ground. It was burnt all down one side. But do you know that for about three months that tree still looked alive? Yeah, it did. It was dead on one side. But on the other side, it looked perfectly alive. It wasn't. It was just in the process. It was in the process. Because in about probably, it probably took about eight months. Finally, the other side died too. But let me ask you something. When was its death sentence pronounced? It was, it was pronounced the minute the lightning struck it. It was on its way to dead. Right? It was on its way to dead. Well, Jesus pronounced that fig tree cursed, and it was on its way to dead. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Jesus was in the beginning. In the beginning was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we skip on over and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So if Jesus spoke the word and he cursed the fig tree and it died, when I pick up that word and I speak it, 
I speak with the authority of Jesus. Because Jesus dwells in you and he dwells in me. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And when I tell the thing it's cursed and to go, it's cursed and it goes. Amen. Now, like I said, we see this Mark 11, 23, 24. We're real familiar with it, but here's another place where we get hung up. It says, yeah, ugh, but Pastor T, it says, if I don't doubt in my heart, and you know what? I just don't know if I have enough faith. Um, you know, I try, but I'm just not sure my faith is that good. And sometimes I have questions in my heart. Do you know that happened to the apostles? Did you know that? Or you say, hey, you know, I've tried that. I tried it once, meaning I said it for a little while, but I couldn't see the result, and so I quit. That's what it means, right? Let's look at Luke 17. I want to show you this. I want to show you this principle from a different angle, okay? Let's look at 17, Luke 17, 5 and 6. It says, And the apostles said to the Lord, now he had been talking to them about faith, and this is what they said. They said, Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, do you know how tiny a mustard seed is? It's tiny. I, I spoke over in the, the seniors. This was quite a few years ago. Miss Catherine's not in here. And I gave everybody in there a little mustard seed in a bottle. I gave them a little mustard seed in a bottle because I wanted everybody to see just how. It's like a tiny little speck. It's like a piece of dirt or something. I mean, it's. He said, if you had that much faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, we see that and we say, well, what's different about that? Well, there's two things that's real interesting here about that. He didn't say, he didn't say, you need bigger faith. Do you know every person, every person has been given a measure of the God kind of faith? He said, if you have enough if, if, you, if you have just, you know, faith enough to open your mouth and speak. That's what he's saying. If you had enough faith just to open your mouth and speak, if you just have that tiny, just that, you would say. Now, remember I was talking about when they translate languages, sometimes it's hard to translate. In this particular instance right here where he says when you would say, in the original language, it's in imperfect, imperfect tense. If, if, if the Bible, uh, if it says the word say and it is in perfect tense, it means you say it once and that's it. But if it is in imperfect tense, as it is here, it means you say it and you say it and you say it again and you say it again Amen. and you say it and you say it and you say it. What was Jesus' point? His point was, it's not, listen, my word will work if you've got this much faith, just enough to open your mouth and keep saying, just enough to keep opening your mouth and keep saying what I said about it. If you have that much faith, that thing will obey you. He was talking to people who were doubting their own faith. They were saying, increase our faith. We, we, we don't have this kind of faith. Right? In our camp, 
we tend to get into this thing where we get into all kinds of stuff. We, we get over into works. It's very subtle, but, you know, instead of now, instead of trusting in the word, now I'm trying to look at myself and do I have enough faith and can I trust in my own faith that I can do? I mean, we just get off into all kinds of stuff. We really do. We really do. Now, there's something else I want you to see about this. How many of you know anything about mulberry trees? It's interesting he used a mulberry tree, not a, not a sycamore, not a pine tree. not a. So what's the deal with the mulberry tree? Well, where most trees will send their roots down like this, they have like a big long tap root that goes way down, and then they'll send out some feeder roots that will, will, will anchor it. Well, the mulberry tree doesn't work quite like that. The mulberry tree reaches far and wide. As a matter of fact, in some places, the mulberry tree is illegal because of its invasive root system. The roots, the tree could be here and the roots could be all the way to the other side of the office. They tell you don't ever plant a mulberry tree by your house because it will eventually end up causing you damage in your septic tank and your pipes and your foundation. It'll, it'll, those roots go far and wide. And he said to them, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, of a mustard seed, that thing would be plucked up. Let me ask you something. What is in your life that the roots have, have spread far and wide? What is it that's been standing for a long time in your life that you've tried and you've tried and, and then you've given up? And then you've come and you've tried and then you've given up. And when you think you've got it fixed over here, well, there's a little pop-up over there because anytime a tree puts roots out far and wide, you know what happens, don't you? If you kill the main part of the tree, it just pops up other trees all along the root system. The root will just keep living. He's telling them if you had that much, that tiny little, if you just had enough faith to open your mouth and speak... If you could muster up that much faith and you would not give up speaking to it, you could rip up that whole mulberry tree system and throw it into the sea. That much faith. There's nobody in here that doesn't have that much faith. True story. You wouldn't be here. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be believing in Jesus if you didn't have at least that much faith. Right? What am I trying to tell you? What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, you are undefeatable if you will just engage. Amen. You are undefeatable if you will just pick up the sword of your word. And whatever that thing is that's in your life that looks impossible, it's just a few words away from being removed. Amen. <laughs> that's good news to me. I don't know about you, but that is good news to me. Because I have faced a few things that look really impossible. Amen. Has anybody in here faced anything that looks impossible? Oh, yeah. yeah, amen. Like I said, few of us get to get out of here <laughs> without experiencing. So then the next question is, well, Teresa, how long, how long, Pastor Teresa, do I have to keep saying it? Well, how hard is it to talk? You talk all day long. That, that question, in a way, is kind of silly 
We spend our time talking about the weather. We talk about the food we had. We talk about the TV show we watched. We talk about how we feel about the TV show we watched. We talk about politics. We talk about our pets. We talk about our diseases. We talk about our friends. We talk about the pastor. We talk about Pastor T. She's crazy. We, we you know, we, we, we talk, talk, talk. But when you say, you got to say, well, how long do I have to keep saying it? <laughs> this is hard. I've been there. <laughs> it's not hard. You keep saying it until it happens. Amen. It's super simple. You just keep saying it until it manifests in your world the way you commanded it to. That's how long you say it. That's how long you say it. Amen? Now, how many of you, how many of you are familiar with Barry Bennett? Do you know who he is? Anybody? Okay, so Barry Bennett, he is, um, he's, uh, a, I guess you would call him a, an instructor at Karis Bible College. That's Andrew Womack's Bible College, okay? And he teaches mostly on healing. That's what he specializes in. He, I was watching a video of his, and I think it was called something like The Authority for Healing or something along those lines. But anyway, he, he tells this story, and he tells several stories. There's a reason he's so good at teaching on healing, because he's had a lot of things happen to him. And he was talking about the very thing that I was talking to you about. He said, you know, I teach this stuff. He said, my head is full of this stuff. I know the verses. I could tell you all about it. He says, but... Do you know knowing and doing are two different things? He said, I knew a lot of things. I know a lot of things. He said, and I've even used it. But recently, not, I don't know how long ago, but uh, he started feeling very badly. Um, and he realized he didn't feel good. You know, he wasn't feeling good in his body and stuff, but he just felt like, well, I just keep up and get, you know, I just keep getting up and I go and I do and I just ignore it. And he was kind of looking at that like faith. Well, he goes to the doctor one day and the doctor says, well, there's nothing we can do for you. You're probably going to die in about two to three days, so you need to go home and get your, get your affairs in order. There's nothing we're going to be able to do for you. He says, well, I hadn't been saying anything. He said, but you better believe from that point on, my, my mouth was, I, I had plenty to say then. He said, my, my ears perked up and I was saying something then. They had my attention. He had leukemia. And they told him, you go home and die. What did he do? Well, he went home and he started speaking the word. He started speaking the word, and his family started speaking the word. Now, listen, listen. He's somebody who teaches it. He's somebody who's written, helped write books about it. He's somebody who's made videos about it. It's his specialty. He had to speak to it for over a year. It took him a year, he said, to get everything in order took a solid year. Now, it wouldn't have taken that long if he'd have been saying over himself all the time that I walk in divine health. By his stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am the healed. Thank you, Jesus. You, you, you know, you're the word. I thank you that you're the word. Thank you, God, you sent your word and you healed me of all of my diseases and delivered me from all of my destructions. Had he been saying that all along, he wouldn't have had to spend a whole year trying to get over cancer. But li listen, eight years later, he's still cancer-free and he's still walking around. Yeah. He had a choice. He had a choice. Would he believe the facts and go home and speak that? Or would he believe the truth and go home and speak that? 
Thank God he believed, he believed the truth and he went home and spoke that because we still have him here. Before that happened, he had had, um, he, he, he tells the story of how he had had a, a cancerous growth on his ear. So he had experienced some cancer in his body before. And he went to the doctor and they were telling him all about the surgery that they were going to do and, you know, blah, 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 and we're going to do this and do that. And, and he said, a holy no rose up in him. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. And so he went home and once again, took him about a year, but he spoke to his ear every day. Well, he turns around and says, you can see my ear is fine. He didn't have any treatment. He didn't have plastic surgery. He just spoke to it. He just spoke to it. Every day he spoke the word to it. Now listen, I am not against getting help from doctors, so nobody go out of here thinking that I'm saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I am, I am thankful for, for men and women who have, you know, that can help us in cases. But sometimes you're facing something where what they're offering could be worse than what you're dealing with. And what do you do in that case? Or they, don't, they simply don't have anything more to offer you. That happens, right? So I'm not, I'm not telling anybody that you shouldn't get help, medical help. Please don't go out of here thinking I said that. That's not what I said. But while you're taking man's medicine, how about you take God's medicine? How about you put that in conjunction with it? Amen? Amen? He, he, listen, this, do you know this works even for, this works even for unbelievers? It really does. It works even for unbelievers. How many of you have ever heard of Norman Vincent Peale? Do you know who that is? Right? Okay. He, he was a, uh, you know, he wrote a lot of books, and um, he was the one that, what was the name of the book? I can't think of it right now. Yes, Power of Positive Thinking. So he goes to this meeting, and it is a businessman's meeting. It's business people. It's not a, a Christian meeting. Um, and he's at this businessman's meeting, and there is this high flyer there, you know, one of the guys that was speaking and whatnot, and he's, you know, one of the big guys in, in the money, and he finds out that Norman Vincent Pill is there, and he goes to him, and he says, um, Mr. Vincent, you know, I, I, I have been wanting to talk to you. He said, I have something I want to ask you, and, and so Mr. Peel said, okay, well, what is it? He said, do you believe that God still heals people miraculously? And Mr. Peel said, absolutely, I believe that. He said, I know that God heals people miraculously. People have been healed. He says, well, he said, I, I'm not a Christian or anything. He said, but I went to the doctor a while back, a couple years back, and he had a tumor of some sort in his jaw. And the doctor said, well, we could remove it, but it'll just keep growing back, and eventually it will, it will be the demise of you. You know, so basically you're just going to have to learn to live with it. You can get it removed, but it's something that will just keep growing back. So he went home and he was very depressed. Now, he wasn't a believer. Remember, he's not a believer. So he goes home and he's laying around and he's depressed. He's got all the money in the world. He's a high flyer. Got money, got properties. There's a point I'm making there. Some things money can't buy. Some things money can't fix. It's good to have money, but it can't fix everything. So he's not a believer, and he's laying around in his bed, and he's, he's, um, he's depressed. He's depressed. But he hears this little voice inside of him says, go read the Bible. And he thinks, that's crazy. I ain't never read a Bible. I don't know. 
And he's still depressed and he's laying around. And the next day he hears, go read the Bible. And he thinks, how weird that I would think that. Third day comes and he hears, go read the Bible. So he says, you know what? I didn't even know if we had a, he's like, I was trying to think. He said, and I was pretty sure my wife had a Bible somewhere in the house. And, and so I said to her, hey, can you, can you go find that Bible? And so his wife went and dug the Bible up and he told Mr. Peel, he said, I started reading it. He said, I didn't understand nothing I was reading. He said, but I noticed that when I was reading it, I just felt better. I just felt at peace. It gave me peace. So I just kept reading it. He said, and so day after day, I read it. He said, and in a little while, I started to understand the stories. They started to make sense to me. He said, and then I noticed that as I read those stories and I understood them, I got filled with joy. He's like, I was just so joyful. It just made me feel joyful. So I just kept reading it. He said, I just kept reading it and reading it. He said, and then one day I walked in the bathroom and I realized the tumor was gone. So I went to the doctor, Mr. Peel. And they looked and said, we can't explain it. We don't know how. But there is no trace of that cancer in your jaw. Well, needless to say, he became a believer. Now listen, if that works for an unbeliever who doesn't even know Jesus, if he just goes and puts the word in and he gets healed just from reading, how much more for you and I who are his children? How much more for you and I who know him? Amen? Now, I want to read something. I've been waiting to get to this one all night. <laughs> Let's go to Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This came to Barry Bennett when he was dealing, the, the guy I was talking about earlier, he was dealing with a kidney stone, a massive kidney stone. And he was on the pre-op table, and they told him all that they were going to have to do in order to help him with this kidney stone. He did not explain what it was that they said, but he said he had said to them, "Well, I have my dignity, absolutely not." And he jumped off the he jumped off the <laughs> he jumped off the pre-op table and went home and started. And God gave him that, and he started speaking that. He started speaking that. It's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Like a hammer. Let me ask you something. Now, there are professional carpenters. I had a brother-in-law who could do this, who could put a nail down and swing a hammer once and sink it. But that's a guy who's been doing it day in and day out. For the majority of us, how many times do you have to sling the hammer to drive the nail in? It's going to be more than once, right? God's telling you right there. Listen, if you have faith this big, as a mustard seed, if you have that much faith, if you'll keep swinging the hammer of my word, if you'll keep on swinging the hammer of my word, it will burn up whatever that thing is and it'll break it up and pulverize it and cause it to come to nothing. It'll cause it to come to nothing. I like the NLT version of it. It says, does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? The CSB says, is not my word like fire? This is the Lord's declaration. And like a hammer that pulverizes rock. Pulverizes rock. Now, this one just spoke to me because I've heard a lot of healing scriptures, as we all have, but I had never. I've read it, but I never really applied that to healing. Amazing. Amazing. 
You don't have to have faith as, as big as the ocean or whatever if you have this much faith. If you'll swing the hammer of his word, if you'll put it in your mouth, if you'll yield the sword and you won't stop yielding, if you'll not stop yielding. Let's look at Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are what? Life to those who find them. And what? Health to all their flesh. That unbeliever simply reading, simply putting it in his eyes. Simply putting it in his eyes. Not even knowing why he was doing it. Just following some inner leading, which we know was the Lord, right? But just following that inner voice, just putting it in. He wasn't even declaring. He wasn't even declaring. He was just reading, getting filled with the joy of the Lord. The Word of God did it. Remember we said it's like a seed. You plant it and it comes up by itself and you don't even know. Listen, part of the reason we ain't speaking the Word is we haven't even read the Word. We don't even know what's in it. That's sad. Man, if you're a Christian, could you make, a, make it a goal that at least once before you die, you've read the book from cover to cover, even if you don't understand it all? It's okay. Don't worry about understanding it. Just put it in. It'll be help to your flesh and strength to your bones. Why would you do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because later on, when the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate something to you, he'll be able to pull that up because you put it in there and illuminate it to you when you need to understand it. I can tell you that from my own personal life. I've read plenty of things that I was like, I have no idea what that has to do with anything. Praise Jesus. But I'm reading it because it's in here. You know, I just had this thought within myself. Wouldn't it be something if I stand before the Lord and he says, I gave you this whole big love letter and I gave you this and all of my thoughts that I wanted you to know. And I would say, oh, yeah. Um, well, I only read the Psalms because they made me feel good. I don't know nothing about <laughs> nothing else. Or I only read Proverbs because they were short and sweet. Okay, listen, how, how, how sad would that be? But a lot of Christians do that. And once again, it comes down to what our flesh wants. Because <laughs> our flesh don't want to think and doesn't want to sit and read and doesn't want doesn't to go away from the computer or the Instagram or the YouTube or the whatever it is. Right? Mm. But let me tell you something. Instagram, the computer, YouTube, TV, uh, they're not much help when you're dealing with a life and death situation. They really aren't. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's look at Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the reason the word works is because it's alive. See, it's not like all the other words. They're God's words. They're Holy Spirit-inspired words. They're full of life. So all of the Word is full of life. And because it's living, you can read the same portion of Scripture, and it'll mean one thing to you this time while you're dealing with this, and you'll go back and read that again, and it'll mean something different to you while you're dealing with this other thing. Because it's alive. It's full of God. It's full of God life. It's God life. 
The words are God life. They're full of God. They're alive. Say it with me. They're alive. alive. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the last scripture I'm going to give you, and then I got something I want to read you. It says Numbers 23, 19. Let's, Let's look at that. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Amen. If he promised it to you, if it's in the word, remember he said all of the promises in Jesus are yes and amen. amen. Is he a man that he would lie? No. Has he said it and will he not do it? Yes. So let me ask you something. What is it in your life that looks impossible to you? What is your verse? What is your verse? If God said it, he'll do it. Don't, don't, it's so easy for us to look at the circumstances and to look at the facts and we'll become so overwhelmed and depressed and, and, and hopeless. It's easy for us to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. God is not a man. He is not a man that he would lie. He has told you that he always causes you to triumph through Christ Jesus. He said that you are more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I don't know what you're facing, but you get up and you open your mouth and you yield that sword. Amen. Amen. You wield that sword and you don't let that enemy defeat you. Use your words for good. Use your words for good. We use them for a lot of stuff. Let's use them for good. Let's use them to be victorious and to look like the church of Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, a long time ago, I wrote this. I wrote this poem. I found these a while back. I read one a while back, but I was like, "Oh, this one's perfect for tonight." It's called "Words." Oh, be careful, little tongue, of the words you choose to say, for life and death are found therein, and if not carefully bridled, a multitude of sin. Oh, be careful, little tongue, of the words you choose to say. For whatever fruit we're sowing, we will surely harvest on the way. Oh, be careful, little tongue, of the words you choose to say. Because for every idle word that's spoken, we'll have to give account someday. So now, now, Father, I bow before you and I humbly pray. Help me to be oh so very careful of the words I choose to say. Amen. All right. That is it. I am going to let you all out. What, four minutes early? Woohoo! <laughs> All right, Father, I just thank you. I just thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people. Lord, this is a this is a serious subject in a sense. We take it lightly, and most of the time it's preached in a real feel-good way, and I get that, but it's really quite weighty. And so, Papa, I just pray that as the people go home tonight, they will not just be hearers of this word, but that they will be doers of this word. And I give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 
855-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 